today on The Breakdown. This is the podcast with everything. That's right. New York's hottest club is the Poker Guys. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, in this podcast, we're doing a few different things. We're going to do our normal breakdown of a really wonderful hand from the $250,000 super high roller in London that just happened with a hand between David Peters and Christoph Vogelsang. That is quite interesting. We're excited to get into all the decisions and thoughts around that. But first, we are also going to have a Mike Possel cheating scandal update. I'm going to tell you all about what's been happening since our last podcast on this and um, also just get into just a few other little pieces about it. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about what to do if you think you're being cheated, for example, and things like that. We're going to do it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. All right, so instead of fucking around and talking about Cobras for like 12 we minutes, normally do, we're just going to spend that time talking, talking about the possible update, and then we're going to get into the breakdown hand. I mean, that's cool, but I do love the Cobra jokes. Yeah, but we'll get to that you know, next podcast. Yeah, okay. There's always next podcast. But the people need their possible. They Apparently, do. there's like seven videos per minute being put out about Mike Possel by everybody. Everyone your, but us. <laughs> your mom probably put out a Mike Possel video. Although today we are also putting out our first Mike Possel video. Yeah, actually look for our Mike Possel video on YouTube because uh, instead of doing a breakdown of the hand that we're doing a breakdown of here, which we can't for a video because it's a poker go hand. Right. In fact, we're doing a Mike Possel breakdown. We're doing it in kind of a fun way. Yeah. We're taking one of his more ridiculous hands and we're going to look at it through the lens of an actual breakdown and yeah, like, like try to try to justify all of his decisions. It's, it's similar to, if you guys remember from years ago, our James Bond, uh, hand that we did where we like really tried to take it seriously. I mean, this is a little different where we're not, we're going to acknowledge, of course, that he's certainly cheating yeah. <laughs> at some point, but we're going to try and like justify the decision, see if we can come up with things and all that. We think it'll be fun. Right. Were you doing Stefan, by the way? I was. At the beginning? Okay. Thank you for noticing. Um, I was a little concerned that that was pretty esoteric, but I went for it anyway. You didn't do the voice. No, nope, I didn't vo- do anything. The voice is hard to do. I didn't even try. I'll, yeah, I, I feel like I could be offensive without really trying to be offensive going in that direction. Yeah, and uh, Bill Hader can pull it off. I'm not sure if you can. Yeah, and it was fine anyway. Also, I didn't want to keep going down that path for any potential new listeners. I didn't want to confuse them too much. I probably did a little too much of that anyway. But let's talk about... Mr. Possel and all things all Mike right. Possel. So if you haven't listened to our last Mike Possel podcast, you should probably listen to that before listening to this. Why? Because that's where we like lay the base, man. Okay, but like, or if you just know anything about Mike Possel, you're probably okay. If you don't right. know who that guy is, you should probably listen, but to learn about him a little to bit. To inform you of how we think about the situation, that would be a... Do you, not, mean, do you not want more listens on that podcast? I, I'm confused. I, mean, I want more people to listen, but I don't want it to be like, you'll only understand what we're talking about right now if you listen no, that to that is not one. That's what not I'm, true. That's not what I'm trying to say, but what I'm trying to say is that that taps into our general thought process. It lays the base for it, and it also we talk about general cheating in poker, and I think it's a good podcast if you haven't listened to it. I think it's a great podcast. I encourage people who haven't heard it to listen to it, for sure. We also get into some of the other interesting cheating scandals that happened in poker that people don't really remember or ever talk about anymore. Um, that said, if you're just here for a possible update, even if you haven't listened to that, here we go. We're going to get into it right now. Okay. So as of last time, we were just in like the initial throes of it. Yeah. Uh, what's happened since is Veronica Brill, who was the original person who said, came out and said, I think that there's cheating on the stream. And she was one of the commentators and sometimes played on Stones Live. Um, she went on Joe Ingram 
and she went in, in depth on all of this stuff. And a new name started has started to come up now as the potential co-conspirator for Mike Postle, and that's Justin Caritas. And he is the tournament director at Stones Live, and he also does commentary there. I don't know. I know he runs Stones Live. The, yeah. I don't know if he's the tournament director. I don't know if he's like. I don't know if he's the floor for everything or just the floor for Stones Live. I don't know exactly. I think he's the floor for everything though, because I think he actually, like, he got a lot of uh, autonomy, um, which we'll get into in a second. Okay, so why don't you get into oh, it? Oh, okay. Hey, let's get into it right now. So what, Vanessa actually, sorry, Vanessa. Veronica. Veronica put out a video uh, a few days ago about the layout of the Stones Poker Live uh, room, like where all the tables were, and explained why that was important in this case. And so basically what she said was uh, where they were filming was sort of as far away as it could be from where all the, from where the main desk is where people would come in and, you know, sign up and where all the main administrative people were, which is fine because they were filming over there. It makes sense. Behind that is a curtain, which they set up at some point. And whenever they would do Stones Live, Justin would go back behind that curtain where there's also a desk, but no one's there. And just apparently be like looking at his phone and talking to him on a microphone the whole time, which is not normal behavior. And there'd be no reason and, to do that. And this microphone was not connected to like the audience or anything. It right. wasn't like he was providing additional commentary. No, he was not. Now, I think he did claim because um, she talked to him about this at least once, that he was talking to, like, I don't know, like, the um, the maintenance guys to, like, get something done. But apparently he was literally talking to the microphone basically the entire time this was happening, every time it was happening. Well, there's it seems very, very clear. There's a very complex carpet, and the way that the carpet <laughs> is weaved, it's it's a specific weave of the carpet, and yeah. you have to vacuum it a certain way or it screws it up for, like, the next 10 days. Okay, I'm really going to need you to keep checking in with me about your carpet. Okay, yeah. and I'll, I'm going to keep giving you just, like, a moment by moment. Every Every time the vacuum goes out, Call me, and then when you pull it back, call me again. Give me an update. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what the carpet looks like. So, and the reason why this is really would matter is because there's a lot of belief, and we're going to get into this too, um, about how Mike was cheating. As there's, we've gotten a lot deeper into that now. Uh, the poker world has, and for a while, it seems really, really clear Mike was uh, getting a feed on his phone, and we'll explain about how that seemed to be the case. But then at some point, Stones actually did ban cell phones from Stones Live. And so then Mike would have needed some other way to get the information. And puffy hat. Puffy hat and Justin talking into a microphone with the what the cards are is a pretty good way to do it. We don't know that that's what happened, but that seems like a, a very good That's guess. a working theory that we talked about on our last Postle podcast yes. about the bone conduction headphones, which are basically they look like a hat. and it, Well, they don't look like a hat. You wear a hat over them. Yeah, yeah. but it makes it so it looks like you're not wearing headphones. Uh, right, right, and it, so it's like completely discrete headphones, but you get the vibrations through your bones into your ear. Yeah, your inner ear. Um, they yeah. really don't look like a hat in any way. By the way, when you okay. said they look, I mean, if you walked in and you saw like a hat and the bone conduction headphones, you wouldn't accidentally put the headphones okay. on your head and like walk out thinking like you look cool. There are hats designed to house them. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I think that's what that picture was showing. I think it was just a guy wearing a baseball hat. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Anywho, um, but Mike, of course, had was wearing a baseball hat, and it's a little bit puffy um, by his ears because that's where the headphones are. And when he's not playing on Stones Live, he's wearing the same hat. His hat is flush against his head, not puffy. Is something so, we talked about. So last the time. basic theory based on these things, and of course, this is all just allegations. There's no proof. We here. still don't have actual proof, but we're feels like we're getting closer all the time. The theory is that uh, Justin Caritas started giving info to Mike Postle at this one particular point that somebody went deep into and found. Yeah. Um, and Postle was getting the information on his phone, which was between his legs and nobody else could see. Uh, and then they banned phones and he had to switch it up. And that's when 
Justin started talking into the microphone behind the curtain. And right. that would mean that there was an auditory portion of how Possible was getting the information. That's exactly right. Now, just to give full credit, Matt Berkey's the guy who did the research and made a video uh, with Solve for Why about um, how you could take the poker software. This is actually the same poker software that we use um, for uh, poker time. Yeah. Uh, when we do our uh, cash game. And uh, basically send it out or make it available. You just got to take the IP address, I think, of the phone you want to send it to and uh, make that screen available, which has all the information, all the live cards and everything like that. Right. To be clear, you can't just have a phone and do this. You have to have somebody with access to the software to give it to the phone. As far as I know, that is true. Yeah. Yes. Um, And when Matt Berkey was doing it, you clearly needed to be in cahoots with um, the person. And of course, the other thing that was really notable about how Mike was using his phone, by the way, this video that Grant was talking about when Mike started cheating, it was two hours and one minute into a session. Um, He had been playing, I think this was like the seventh session he had played on the stream in the last like year or something like that. And uh, when he first was playing. And he had been winning. He'd still been winning, but he was winning like 800 bucks an hour and making all kinds of normal 800 folds. 800 bucks a session. Uh, sorry, 800 bucks a session. I apologize. He had been uh, making normal folds, meaning like I watched some of it. And, you know, like he's gets bluffed sometimes and he's got a pretty good hand, but not a great hand and doesn't make the godlike play. Just makes the normal play that you have when you don't have anything and you fold or you have a pretty good hand and you just call, even though you're barely beating the guy. Or you call when you're barely losing and, you know, all these folds that he started making. Anyway, at 201, he takes his phone, puts it all the way on the on his seat, not even on his lap, but on his seat, and then uses his legs to sort of cover it up. So even if someone looked, no one else could see what he can see. And that's why whenever you see him like looking down in the middle of all these hands, he has to look like really deep and far and takes a lot of time because I think it's hard to see his phone. Yeah. Because he really doesn't want anyone else to see it at all. And there's only and he eventually moves to seat two, so the cameras can't really see what he's doing as well. But that first time he's sitting in seat one, it's a little bit easier to see what's going on. So, yeah, that seems to be happening. And also. then the hour, then the session changed. Yeah, then from that point on, he went from winning $800 a session to winning $4,000 a session. So that seems pretty damning as well. Now, again, that's not proof, but, it's, but it's, it is, uh, as we would say in uh, the law game, a preponderance of the evidence. And that is actually important because there is now a $10 million civil suit that's yep. been filed. Against Mike Postle, against Stones Live, or Stones Casino, I guess. Stones Casino, yeah. And against Justin Caritas. Yep. Uh, they each are on the hook for $10 million in this civil suit, which I imagine Mike and Justin do not each have $10 million to pay. Seems impossible. They're, they're not going million. to be paying, but they're going to be losing the lawsuit, is my guess, based on the preponderance of evidence. It's hard to know exactly because you're going to have to... It's a jury trial. And uh, civil, civil trials, I think, are usually jury trials. I'm not a law expert here, so if I get something wrong here, you're just going to have to forgive me. But, try, but whether it's a jury trial or not, if it's a judge trial, um, that's because that's what they call it, a judge trial. Yeah, judge trial. <laughs> um, you're going to have to convince lay people that this guy is not just like playing well. And I'm not sure someone who doesn't understand poker at all how well they're going to, if they're going to know that or not, how, how clear that's going to be and how meaningful testimony by experts is going to convince them or not. And that's, I, that's the question. I think the, the win rate is pretty good testimony as far as like if you can map it out with a, with a graph or a bar chart or whatever yeah. you want to use, like a, a scatter chart. Those are good ways to, to show lay people that a, data is, a datum is such an extreme outlier. Yeah. And I think that could convince me of things as a jury member on topics that I have no awareness of. If I was given something and told the sample size right. was big enough for it to matter, yeah. right? That's fair. Um, the other thing is, they're, like, like you said, like 
Stones is the one who's really in trouble here. Like Mike, Mike Postle stole. I'm going to use the word stole. I mean, he's in trouble. He's not going to lose of $10 million. Dollars. He's just going to lose his entire net worth well, um, that, that, that they can find. Depending on his what, well, it depends on what his net worth is. Um, but like he's got, I would imagine like Stones might even just try and settle because they may not want to deal with this. I don't know what's going to happen with it. But if Stones goes to court, they're in trouble also because no one wants to say the casino won when it looks like the, when it looks like sort of normal people are getting cheated out of money. Yeah. Right? So the so Stones is, is on the hook for this money and is probably going to lose. To be clear, by the way, um, although it's for the same amount, Justin is not being charged with the same thing that Stones and Mike right. is being charged with. They're being charged with racketeering no 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 Uh, mike i think is being charged with racketeering justin is not justin's being charged with negligence negligence and fraud um not fraud Uh, that was on there yeah fraud not justin is not being charged with fraud though because justin's is being justin's being charged with sort of like not doing a good enough job with security mike is being charged with like stealing they're not saying that justin is necessarily they don't have proof anyway that justin is is part of it they're just saying like he was he did a bad job running the game and made it so these everyone could get stolen from that's the current yeah thing that they're saying no, now, maybe, I, we maybe all I'm believe wrong. that it's further maybe i'm that. wrong but looking at the article I, I i understand logically why all that yeah. makes sense but i'm pretty sure it said everybody was being charged with fraud including justin oh, really? it was just racketeering that he wasn't being charged with oh, okay yeah. All right. Anyway, I mean, I think it's fair to charge him with fraud. It's almost certain he was being fraudulent. By the way, so Veronica went on Joey, like we said the other day, actually just last night as we're recording this. That sounds like a morning talk show. Veronica went on Joey. I know. When you said she was on Joe Ingram, I was like, it sounds like Larry King. Yeah. I'm sure Joe Ingram is starting to like really start to think, is it possible? Could <laughs> I be like Larry King? I don't, I don't this think has been so, big Joey, for him. but you this never know. This has been really big for him. I doubt it, but you never know. Um, so... Like, so one of the things she revealed, though, is that the only person in charge of the Stones Live account, and I think also the Stones Poker account, is Justin. And as soon as these cheating allegations came out and she started tweeting about it, those accounts started saying there was absolutely no cheating. They had done an investigation a year ago. They won't do another investigation. And then Stones, after about a day and seeing what happened, changed their tune pretty dramatically on that. But it it was so... I remember seeing it. It seems so weird that they would tweet that out, like... Of course, you would always say you're at least looking into it. If you're someone's saying there's someone's someone who worked there, especially saying like there's cheating going on here, you wouldn't say, oh, no, there isn't. And just like move on. Like no one's going to feel comfortable with that. You have to say we're going to look into it. We take this very seriously. Like, of course, you say that they didn't even have like they could. He couldn't even figure out to say that. I mean, it's pretty unimpressive. (laughs) That it is. Yeah, that it is. Um, Another thing that. Mike has done since we did our last podcast is he talked to Mike Matisau. Yes. He claimed to be the best player in the world and the, and he said he was the biggest winner on ultimate bet. I don't know if he actually used the term best player in the world. Okay. Just to be fair. I know he said, I'm sorry. None of you are as good as I am. No, he said that in his tweet. I think yeah. he did say he was the best player in the world actually yeah. on the Mike thing. I didn't listen to the Mike thing. I heard it was dreadfully boring. Mike apparently just let, um, Postle talk the whole time, which is probably a good journalistic it's reasonable instinct there. Totally reasonable to do that. Um, but that said, apparently like possible would like Mike would say something like, so what about these allegations and possible talk for 45 minutes about being the biggest winner on ultimate bet and never talk about that. And so I don't know how interesting that is. I, I don't know. I haven't listened to it. I'm not interested. In anyway, I, I, I just brought it up because it's a good segue ah. because we're going from a guy who claims to be one of the best players in the world to a couple of players who are a couple of the best players in the world, at least at no limit, hold them tournaments. Yeah. In Christoph Vogelsang and David Peters. So should we pivot? It's breakdown sure. time. I think so. I think we can do that. I was. I did mention at the beginning that we might talk about a little bit of what to do if you think you're being cheated. Oh yeah, let's we, go ahead and do that. Yeah, That's okay. Fine. Um, so last time I talked a little bit about how uh, I was in a hand once and I thought these two brothers might be colluding against me, and I actually said I need to see both your hands, and I got to see the hands, and everything was fine. 
Um, but there's, there's a few other things you have at your disposal if you're playing poker and you have any concerns about this. One is you can always just call the floor and air your suspicions. Like, that's okay, especially in this new environment, I think. Um, this post-possible environment. It's really fine to say, like, I'm concerned about this and this. And if no one's cheating, you know, fine. Um, but I, I hope you'd only do it if you had reason to. But I think that's really okay to do. But the other thing you can do, and maybe more important, is you, unless you're in a tournament, you actually don't have to stay at the same table you're at. You can always get up and leave. So if you're concerned you're, you're getting cheated, I say don't play in that particular well, yeah. game. We have a friend, I'm not going to say who, who was invited to a game in Portland where we actually warned him ahead of time. We're like, we really think this is not a sort of a crooked game and we really worry about it. He's like, I'm going to play anyway. It's a soft game. And, you know, within, I think in the first orbit, he like got it in with uh, a set against an overpair. They ran it twice and he lost both times. And what do you know? He was out two grand immediately. You know? Yeah, in a spot where, of course, he has to get it in. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think he had top set. I think he had, literally had the nuts and they got it in both. I mean, so it was just like, yeah, we're not shocked at all that that happened. Um, so, and then I think he did stop playing in the game as a result. But like, you don't have to play at all if you're concerned about that. And it's fine to only play on tables you feel comfortable with, especially if you're playing cash, you can always just switch tables. Like it's fine. So feel free to do that. You can also, by the way, if you're worried about sort of being embarrassed or something, you can always talk to a floor about um, your concerns about a player, not in front of all the other players. You can just get up and pull the floor aside. That's okay too. So you've got some, uh, some things you can do anyway to protect yourself. Yeah. And basically just be more on the lookout. I mean, yeah, it, this is a, Massive scandal because it's all televised and it's so preposterous how much he won. But it, I, it's possible that it's cheating and, and scamming and poker is not something that's talked enough about. And yeah. it's some it's a dirty thing. It's it's a an uncomfortable thing. It's something that people don't want to acknowledge. And a lot of the times these people who are cheating and scamming are very charismatic people. So you don't want it to be the case. You don't want them to be those people. But suspicious behavior from anybody is suspicious behavior, no matter how much you like them. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was in a tournament, uh, last week and I noticed myself saying things, which, which is, I think I've been doing for a long time, but I was probably even a little more on top of it now. Where like the deal would uh, like win an all in or something like that. And the deal would, we count my stack and they just say it's this much. And the person would like, you know, put it all together and ship it to the deal. And the deal would start to ship it to me. Like, please verify that, yeah. you know, cause it's sort of a free roll for the other person to just well, give the wrong amount, you know, typically in, in any double up situation, what I do is I immediately get my stack as close to me as possible and separate it yeah. from the stack that's being pushed to me and sure. verify that stack before I combine it with my exactly. stack. Yeah. I think that's, that's absolutely something you need to do. Yeah. Um, so just little things like that to sort of best practices where you're like, you're, you're making sure you verify stuff. You make sure when someone says call, they actually put the right amount in. Like mm-hmm. you have to pay more attention to these things, but you should be paying attention to that. Anyway. Right. And it's not just from cheating and stuff, but sometimes just dealer negligence. Like Absolutely. A lot of the times, like, I mean, I'm sure everybody's played enough live poker has had very bad dealers. And so there's sometimes you have to be, it kind of sucks. It takes away from the rest of your poker game because you have to be on the dealer like a hawk in any hand that you're in making sure that the right change is made and that yeah. like the right amount has been put in, whether it's the player being negligent, not negligent, but being kind of unable to do the right thing because they're not very good at math and stuff. Right. And then the dealer just kind of been like, oh, I don't want to think about it. Or I'm also very bad at math. Yeah. And, and the truth is it isn't always that someone's necessarily like intentionally trying to cheat you, but if they count out the wrong stack and then the dealer doesn't verify it, you can get screwed. And that certainly happened. And once the action starts on the next hand, it's too late to do anything about it yep. in, a tur- in a tournament. Anyway, in a cash game, you can in theory call the floor and, and get 
restitution. Maybe. But Maybe. even that's very but sketchy that, and hard to pull off. That depends off. on the camera scenario you're dealing with. Yeah. And like, that could take hours. It's in... Often, it, often they just can't do it at that point. So, like, it's really important when you um, when someone calls, when you get the, especially but when you get double ups or like big amounts are being shipped across the table, that um, you verify it's the right amount. And it's okay to make everyone wait a little bit longer while that's happening. It's totally reasonable. Right. That's like the we trickled all the way down from like people might be cheating you to like make sure you don't get screwed out of a twenty five tournament chip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's all it all matters in it's, the end. It all it all counts for sure. Hey, you know, and speaking of twenty five tournament chips, there's a guy who played in London who probably had twenty five tournament chips at some point in his life and he's in this hand that we're gonna break down oh, right yeah? now. David Peters? David Peters, that's who I'm talking about. Oh, I was thinking about Christoph Vogel saying oh, well, he's the other player in the hand. Yeah. That's the other guy. And there are 12 in this whole event. Only 12 people played this quarter million dollar buy-in. Actually, quarter million pound buy-in. Yeah. So like $300,000. I almost called you out on that from your opening because you said dollar, but then I decided it's possible time, baby. Exactly. Like, yeah. Let's just, let's just ride the wave. But possible time is over now, baby. Yes. Keep saying that. That's cool. I'm going to say something else. I'm going to say that there's a link in the description of this podcast. I'm going to say another thing about that link. I'm going to say you should click that link, people. Okay. Was that like good ad man stuff? That was really good. I'm going to I'm going to actually buffer it a okay. little bit and burnish it. Okay. And bolster it. All right. By saying this. That link if you click it takes you to a website and the website is Nitrogen Sports. Yeah. And you can sign up for Nitrogen Sports and what you get when you sign up is not only access to online poker, online casino games, online sports betting grant. Also, you get access to our very famous and well-spoken about monthly poker guys tournament. Everybody talks about it. <laughs> and they talk about it very nicely. Um, there's a thousand buy-ins guaranteed every month. And the most we've ever had, we think, is 123 players. One by Holden Cantrell last month. Yeah. And uh, I think usually at the top, you know, 10% get paid or something like that. So you don't have to win to get paid or anything like that. But it's great. It's very inexpensive to play also. These days, you know, it's between 80 cents and a dollar, depending on the price of Bitcoin at any moment. But it's a, it's a tenth of a mil a bit to play. It's super cheap. It's great. You got to play it. It's great. And when you win, you can withdraw your Bitcoin and get it really fast. Nitrogen gets you your Bitcoin in about 90 minutes. The other sites that use Bitcoin make you wait days. Yep. And that is bullshit. That is bull dookie. You can say shit. I'm not comfortable. And I'm not sure I can say it. Just say it. Shy. Say it. Shy. (laughs) All right. See? I can't. Do you need to see a speech therapist or a psychologist or something? It would definitely be a speech therapist. And no, I do not. I'm going to just go with Dookie. I mean, from here on out. I I don't want to gloss over that you said it would definitely be a speech therapist. There could be, you maybe you need to see a speech therapist and a more special psychologist for figuring out like what the hell is wrong with you. (laughs) You can't say the word shit. Interesting point. Yeah. Interesting point. And fair enough. Um, but anyway, <laughs> dookie, dookie, dookie. Yeah, poops and all that stuff. All right, so anyway, this hand that we're going to talk about is pretty interesting. Of course, it's one of those hands where it's two of the best players in the world, so interesting stuff typically happens in these hands. It was suggested by Let Me Win One. Yes. He's been kind of rising up the ranks recently. Big time. Uh, Let Me Win One, of course, suggested on Twitter. Did not include a YouTube link because this is a Poker Go hand. Included a Poker Go link and told us what time the hand started, which is the best you can do with Poker Go. So do I that. guess that's fine. I took out the fly swatter. I was about to swat. Let me win one down a little bit verbally, but I put it back in my holster. Yeah, because let me win one did all that they could. Yep. Everything they could in order to make it so we could get access to the hand. I don't know that's how we can you, ask that's for all more. That's all you can do. It's not fair to ask for more. And we can't make a video on it. So enjoy that possible video that we make with yeah. the kind of like. We think it's going to be really fun. Facetious pretending he isn't cheating thing. <laughs> um, all right. So 
as Jonathan mentioned, there were only 12 players who entered this event. And we are on day one. Day one ended with seven players remaining. Only two players got paid. So there's not really any sort of ICM consideration except for tournament life at yeah. this point. And uh, it's 3K, 6K. It's near the end of day one. David Peters, well known for being good at poker. Yeah. And not talking very much when he's at the table and looking very serious. Is on the button. He's, he's got, tall. Yes. He's got 320,000 in his stack. So he's got over 50 bigs at the 6K big blind. Opens to 14K with eight of clubs, nine of diamonds. Christoph Vogelsang, who can be described almost exactly the same as David Peters was just described. Right? Tall. I think he is kind of tall. Yeah. He I, looks tall. He's lanky. Doesn't talk very much at the table. Seems pretty serious. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe maybe these guys let loose away from the table. Who knows? I think if you play Scrabble with them, it's just a, like having fun with monkeys. You know, you're just having a great time all the time. Having fun with <laughs> monkeys? <laughs> yeah. Like what kind of monkeys? Like howler monkeys? Or? No one would have fun with howler monkeys. That's, howl that, that was a trick question. Do they howl too much? Yeah, they get in your face. Spider monkeys? Those guys are cool. Yeah, they are. They're super cool. With they the climb all over you and stuff. Prehensile tails. I like that. Yeah. No one likes that. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, Christoph Vogelsang is in the big blind. He's got 660K in his stack, so he's got over 100 bigs. He's got queen nine off, queen of spades, nine of clubs. He's going to make the call. Yeah. So far, feels pretty standard. I'm... Got this car and it's in drive. You can see how these guys are the best in the world already. <laughs> 37K in the pot after all antis and small blind is accounted for. I guess just one ante, of course. Flop is ace of spades, eight of hearts, seven of diamonds. Again, Peters with eight, nine off. Vogelsang with queen, nine off. So Peters is flop best with the eight. Yeah. Vogelsang checks. Not much to see here. Peters checks back. Yeah. Now, obviously, this is a range advantage board for him. But it's not a massive range advantage board with these guys, Button versus Big Blind. Vogelsang is going to be balanced, have some aces in his range. But Peters is going to have more big aces in his range, right? Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, from it makes sense to check back an 8 or a 7 here. Does it make sense to check back other things, too? When you say other things, you mean like pocket pairs? Any mean, other hands. Like, you mean like air hands? Well, any I mean, hands. I said all, Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand what the hell's going on. Um, well, I would hope so. I hope if we're checking this back, we're checking back other things, especially like we have to check back some air that just missed and we have to check back some strong value also, right? Do we have to check back air that just missed? Are we really going to check back three, five on we, this board? We have too much air. Like, let's think about it this way. And this is actually a question I have with even checking this hand. If we are going to bet all of our air, we have to bet this hand. Think about how little bets for value we're going to have if yeah. we check if we're checking this and we're betting all our air, all our misses. Like we just can't do it. So I got to believe he's checking back a fair amount of his misses also that are just going to give up if uh, Vogel saying checks or sorry bets the turn. You just have to. It's just such a good board. I know, and that's why I'm surprised he doesn't bet it. Even though he's got sort of a, a normal like the what feels like a standard, like the, the most standard ever check back here. A check back, but because it's ace high, it isn't so standard, right? Bec and because he would be normally repping that if he missed it. Like, right. well, it's it creates weird it, balance issues. Yeah, but it's because of, it, it's not a game theory disaster, but it, it starts to create that scenario and border on one if you bet this hand. I mean, yeah, we're really not there yet, though, yeah. right? We can get called by um, worse eights. We can get called by sevens. We can get called by draws, yeah. for sure. Um, so it's fine, but... Yes, certainly. Most of the time, we're going to get called by. I mean, a lot of the calls are going to be hands that are beating us too. Yeah, like better eights and and aces. Yeah, which is you know the practical and easy reason to check back. This hand just plays so much more easily as a check back, right? Without question. Now we can bluff catch. Feels good. Right. It's just like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to get into the mind of David Peters and what he's betting and what he's checking here. 
But it's almost interesting at this point to see a guy this high level who's playing these super high level things checking back the hand that feels like the most obvious check back hand in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like you expect him to do the opposite for some reason. Right. Um, yeah. And again, I'm just really. I assume he's just going to have to be checking back a lot of his misses too. I think he just has a lot of checkbacks on this board. Period. He's just going to have to. Otherwise, he's going to get destroyed by Christoph Vogelsang. Just completely just because alive. there's not enough value. I mean, there's a ton of value. There's a lot of aces that Peters has in his range. If he's betting all his misses, think about the ratios there. I yeah. mean, how many how many hits does he have compared to misses? I mean, he has most. He opened the button, right? Was it the button? Well, what if he bets? All of his misses that can't improve beat that are like to beat an eight. Like, what if he bets all his like five highs and stuff and all of those types of misses? Six high, five high, those hands. I mean, even six high, I mean, six, four, six, five are straight draws. They are. So, those can improve. It's cool to check those back sometimes. I'm saying those are things he can, those are right. So, but I'm saying there aren't that many sixes, six highs out there. There's six deuce and six three, which you may not even be playing. Yeah, I mean, but they don't have any showdown value and they can't improve to a pair that beats what Vogelsang might have. Whereas, like, if you have something like Queen 10, maybe that's a hand that you can check back because it has at least a little bit of showdown value and its improvement is so much better when it pairs. I mean, it, true on both those cases. Also, you pick up um, nice draws sometimes on yeah. the turn. Um, but, like, you almost never get to showdown with Queen High against Vogelsang, right? Like, it, that's, and it's good. Like, you're rarely going to win it showdown if it goes check, 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 check with queen high. Rarely. So, I, so I don't know how good a planet works in practice. I'm, well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if he's going he's gonna to bet some of his air, obviously, right? Yeah, of course. Of course he is. But I think he can only bet... If he's checking this, he just can't bet that much of it, right? Maybe he's betting air that also has... Like, well, let, let's get into it a little bit. So, so he's, do you want to bet queen high or not? Um, I... Probably do want to bet queen high, I think, mostly. I think it's... You would rather bet that than five high or four high? Well, the reason... Okay, that's a fair question. So the if we're betting queen high, <laughs> the nice thing about it is when we're called, we can improve and take the lead, right? Versus if we're called with five high and four high um, and we're called. Yeah. But probably I'm going to bet... In practice, I'm going to bet the five high and four high. There are very few five highs and four highs, by the way. Yeah. Like, as opposed to queen highs. There's gonna, if we open on the button, right? Yeah. There's, we have a lot of queen highs. We don't have very many five highs. We have all the suited queens in the world. We have very few five highs and four highs. Well, I Four mean, highs, there's like... Okay, queen high that has another, a kicker that's also above the eight is like okay. where my argument was originally coming Right, from. yeah, you're right. It, it was, it was. So we're really just talking queen 10 and queen jack. Yeah. And queen nine, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, I would rather bet five, four suited than queen nine or queen 10 or queen jack. Yeah, so there you go. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Bam. You got that one. Emerald Lagasse. Yeah. Is that guy still relevant? He's alive, so he's relevant. I mean, culturally relevant. I mean, he's got cultures forming. (laughs) You know what I mean? Bacteria? (laughs) Yes, bacteria. What else would that mean? Everybody's got bacteria. So? Relevant. You made it sound like he was, in some way, more bacterial than other people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, which might be. Have you seen him? That might be considered slander <laughs> <laughs> or libel. I don't remember which one is which. Uh, yeah, I think libel, but I don't know anymore either. It's like using anymore the word effect. Let's talk more about the law, okay? Because I feel like, you know, in a, ju- really in a judge well, trial, <laughs> we're really good at the law. <laughs> in a judge trial, I know the term preponderance of evidence and like to use it. And I even know what it means, so it feels great. It sounds smart. It sounds super smart and does have useful meaning, so it's pretty sweet. Anyway. 
back to this. Anyway, Peters decides to check back middle pair here, which makes all the sense in the world from like a non-game theory perspective even. Correct. Right? From like, a non-balanced perspective, yeah. it makes all this it makes a lot of sense. Like in, from a balanced perspective, it doesn't make that much sense, I don't think. Like in 2008, all of the best players in the world were checking back this hand on this board for different reasons than David Peters is doing it now, probably. Just because it's like easier to play, pot control, etc. type thing. Mm-hmm. And why do you think David Peters is doing it then? I don't know. His brain is a, oh. an enigma. I would guess that he's doing it for similar reasons, though. It's pot possible. control, bluff catch, in position, wide ranges, blah, right, blah, right. blah. But, okay, maybe, maybe a lot of the reasons are similar, but on top of that, there has to be some sort of balance aspect when you're playing against Christoph Vogel. There should be. And, like... And in 2008, that's not really yeah. as much what was going on. I just really worry if we can't bet this, if we're not betting this hand, what are we betting? What hands are we freaking betting? We're betting all our aces. But you don't want to bet this hand. No, right? I absolutely don't. Yeah. But I'm. We but, don't have to bet all our aces. Why, why would we have to bet all our aces? So what are we betting? Sets. <laughs> okay, cool. Anything else? Ace king, ace queen, ace what jack, if we bet ace ten. Any ace with kicker higher than eight. Okay. Any two pair. Yep. And any gut shot or open ender. Cool. Well, then we probably can actually, we can also work in some of our true trash in yeah. there too. Then that's, um, that's enough. Um, okay. That's fine. Um, and then, but that means we also have to check back like some of our gut shots. We have to check, we have to check back a lot. I of said those. any gut shot or open ender, you bastard. I thought you just said any open ender. Nope. Do you well, even listen to me? No. Absolutely not. Why would I listen to you? You mostly blather on. Why would I listen? I just let the words come through my head, and I pick out what, what I think I heard, and I go with it, and it's reasonable. How am I supposed to feel enriched by this relationship? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're here for? I mean, that's part of life, right? Huh. I think I think this is an expectation issue for you. <laughs> Maybe right. I, okay. That, this is like a classic abusive relationship. You just put all of the onus on me. It's like, I'm, oh, I'm sorry that what I did made you feel bad. That's clearly your fault. <laughs> I'm not taking that line. I'm oh, just really? saying you you can, you're coming here for to enrich your relationship or something. And I, that's not true. I would just like it would. I would have a healthier psychological <laughs> life if the people that yes. I surrounded myself with actually cared about what I said and listened to me. <laughs> I mean, this sounds like you're talking about a lot more than just this podcast right now. I got to tell you, the people. I know you didn't just say you. The people you I mean, obviously, Wow. Obviously, I This is you. about... Okay, tell me about your, tell me about your mom no, and your dad. No, I don't want to tell you about anything. Why don't you lay down on that sofa over there and no, tell, tell me about you what, your when family. I out, when I hang out with a friend of the podcast, Robert Brewer, he listens to me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Does he? Oh, yeah. Does he listen to all the words, though, or just the, just the ones that might he, be interesting? He not only listens, he enjoys it. Oh, that's, I mean, God bless him if he does. He does a good enough He's job a fake. saint. <laughs> he He's a, good a enough, saint. Good enough job faking it, at least. It makes me feel good. That's what I'm in it for. All right. Anyway, somehow, <laughs> let's continue. <laughs> so we've got the ace, eight, seven, ace my, of spades. My face actually hurts from all the laughing. <laughs> we've got ace of spades, eight of hearts, seven of diamonds. We've got queen of spades, nine of clubs for Vogel saying in the big blind. We've got... Uh, what, what are the hands here? Eight of clubs, nine of diamonds. Yeah, for for Peters. Okay, and Peters has checked back after Vogelsang checked the flop. Turn is the jack of clubs. Cool. It gives Vogelsang a gut shot. It gives Peters that same gut shot. Although yep. Vogelsang would win if it came in. True. Still, Peters has you know all the equity here. He does. He does. But a ten would be a really bad card. Yes, a ten would be pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Yep. So. After the check check, what should Vogelsang do? Okay, well, 
I think Vogelsang should plan on taking an aggressive action on this turn, and he could take it either way, like meaning he could bet himself or he could check raise. Um, I think check raising is actually fine to do when Peters checks back. He rarely has a, a monster on this turn. He can have Jack-Jack. Um, I guess he could have like Jack-Eight um, or Jack-Seven. Yeah, those hands. I guess sure. he had 9-10 also, but he's usually going to bet 9-10, I would think. You would think, but... Um, I would feel. I think. I think taking aggressive. By the way, it's okay to be wrong and get blown off the hand, or or you know, check raise and find out. Oh, he's got a real hand here, and then not put any more money in if we don't improve very strongly. You know, uh, meaning we don't make our our gut shot. Uh, I think a gut shot's going to work better than a lead, but I think a lead is okay you too. Mean a check raise. Yes, did I say <laughs> <A> gut, gut <laughs> shot? <laughs> I don't even listen to myself. I think a check raise works better than a lead, but I think a lead is. A, I think if we lead, we have to have a two street plan because we're usually getting called on the turn when he checks back this flop, right? Usually, maybe he has some air like we're talking about that he checks back, but um, but we're, I, I think we have to plan that we're often getting called, um, and we should plan on bluffing twice, and we should bet big. You think often getting called? You think there's so. On this board, I think usually when the, when the player checks back the flop, they usually can call the turn. Yeah, but that's not really inclusive of your idea that yes, that Peter should be checking back a lot of his air. I agree. So, I mean, do you think Peter is actually doing that or not? I guess I, would be the question. I honestly don't know. Yeah. Like, I could make something up, but I'm just making it up. Right. So, I, I guess the jack hits kind of a lot of what Peter's might check back as air. Also, um, yeah, either gives him a draw or gives him a pair. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's possible that Vogelsang isn't getting it through enough. But something really nice about his hand, of course, is that he does have a draw to the nuts, um, but he also blocks the current nuts. Yep, both those ten. things are cool for sure. So I think that's a good... Re- so I think if we if we bet here, we need to bet big and plan to bet twice. If we check, we sh- I think check raising makes more sense unless Peter sizes it in such a way we decide just to fold, which is also, I guess, reasonable. But mostly I don't want to just check fold on a normal size bet based on how this hand's playing out. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And another nice thing about betting is Vogel saying is that you can rep a lot of stuff here. Absolutely. You can rep any turn two pair, maybe not so much ace-jack, but not. probably a little bit ace-jack. Yeah, a little bit ace-jack for yeah. sure. Vogel saying is the kind of guy who will have some ace-jack he, there. He'll show up with ace-ace here sometimes. You know? Yeah. He has to because he's Christoph Vogel saying the robot man. Yeah, he's trying to be as balanced as one could be. He's right. going for GTO. But true from GTO. a more traditional perspective... There's a ton of two, two pair that he could have turned is Jack eight, Jack seven, all those hands. He obviously can have nine, 10 as well. No all question. 16 combos of nine, 10 are in both of their ranges. Yep. So I don't think there's any sort of major range advantage for either player here. Uh, but I, I mean, guess I, I think Peters has a slight, range he does. He has to have a slight range. I mean, he can have Jack, Jack, for example, you would think Vogelsang has more nine, 10 though. I think they both have the same amount of nine ten. I disagree. You don't think, think Peters is I opening think, all nine ten on the button? I do think. Oh, that. you think he's betting it yeah, on the flop? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree with you. That's that's true. That's fair. Which is a good reason to bet as well. If you can have more of the nuts than your opponent can, and you block the nuts, and you also have a draw to the nuts, that's yeah. a really good combo of stuff. So Vogelsang goes for it. He bets thirty seven k, which is exactly pot. Okay, I love that sizing. If you're going to bet. Right. I mean, you don't expect to fold much of Peter's showdownable stuff out, though. Not yet. That's like why I was saying. saying it has to be a two-street plan. Of course, you're going to fold out. Like, are you going to fold out king highs that don't have a draw? Yes. Like aren't, king four? Aren't you? Probably. I mean, king, I mean, you have sometimes the best of it, and you have nothing else going on for you, right? I think you just throw your hand away with king high. Yeah. So that's cool. Assuming David Peters can have king highs, and this goes back to where king high, no draw. Is he... Is he betting those or checking those? Um, we Who don't knows? really know. Yeah. Anyway, 
Peters does have showdownable hand. It's not that good, but he did pick up a draw as well with a nine, so it would feel absurd to fold. And he understands. I think this is something that we're seeing more and more is when someone jacks back the flop, if uh, the blind decides to, to bet the turn, they're often betting big now. Like the good players are betting big because they know they're getting called more. So they're saying, all right, it's going to cost you a lot if you want to call. And I'm threatening a really big bet on the river. And do you even want to do this with your medium at best showdownable hand? Right. Yeah. Which is, I think, a good response to this check back thing that people have been doing. It's something you and I talked about um, a while ago, actually. Yeah. It's betting really, really big on the I think turn. It was summer 2017 we were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're checking to call. I remember saying that to you and our friend Mitch Towner. When they check back, they're checking to call, meaning like they're checking now so they can call turn. Um, so then you were saying, let's just bet more than the pot on the turn then and make it hard on them. And yeah. I was like, that is a pretty good solution. Um, so th- it feels like, you know, all these players have been listening to our podcast. Obviously, Vogelsang's been listening. Vogelsang, <laughs> he, he structures his game entirely around the 2016 Poker Guys podcast. <laughs> Smart. I'm not even 2017. No, those yeah. are too advanced for him. <laughs> so, anyway, so, but him betting pot, I really like. What do you think? Yeah, I like it too. I like it too. It gives him a little more fold equity, at least. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like in 2015, uh, players were betting like 12K here a lot, you know? And Absolutely. And just always getting called 100%. Right. And now, let's say um, Peters doesn't have a draw with his eight. Let's say he's got like eight four suited and he checked back the flop. Right. Yeah. He might just throw it away on this pot size bet on the turn. It's like, ugh, like, what's the plan here? Like, I almost never improve. This sucks. Possible, yeah. He might call anyway, but he might not right. when it's a pot. And that's kind of the idea. Anyway, with this hand, he can't fold. Of course, he has eight, nine on the ace, seven, eight uh, jack board. He's in, he's really engineered the spot a little bit. It's too. a full on rainbow, by the way. No flush draws have come in or anything. Cool. Not just a rainbow, a full on rainbow. Yeah, full it's on. like a double rainbow. No. It's one rainbow. Oh my god! Look at this, you guys. This is a common mistake to under to, to misunderstand that full on and double are completely separate. <laughs> full on is referring to a singular thing, double two. <laughs> maybe maybe figure that out. Before. Maybe can you explain that just a little slower and with shorter words? <laughs> full rainbow. Nope, too long. Rainbow is too many letters for me. Full rain double. Oh, now I get it. I got it. Cool. <laughs> okay. All right. So anyway, yeah. So this is, uh, this is a rainbow board. And uh, here we go. We got a call. Let's, well, see the, let's see the river. <laughs> that's awesome. Well done. All right. So the pot is now 111K. What's, what's the effective stack? It's Peters. He started with 320. And so he's down to like high 200s, like okay. 280-ish. Cool. The river is the queen of diamonds. Interesting card. Yeah, Vogel saying if he planned on bluffing the river, now thinks, well, maybe I don't have to do that anymore. Picked up the old queen here. You're usually good as Vogel saying. Not always, certainly, but I would say most of the time good. Right. I mean, of course, Peters has some monsters that he just calls with on the turn, and he has some reasonable aces that he plays this way. And he has queen jack, and he has king 10. Yeah. Right, which... All makes sense. Yeah. I think he's calling King, even for a pot size bet in position when they're deep enough, I think he's calling King 10 with the double gutter. Yeah, it's double gutter. Against Vogelsang. I think think he probably has to. He also has some showdown value against Vogelsang. Yeah, he does actually. And in fact, he would have been ahead. He would have. And now he would be very, very, very ahead. With the nuts. Yeah. Anyway, Vogelsang decides to check. It makes all the sense in the world. Like, what are you getting value from if you bet again? 
I mean, you're going to need a jack to like close its eyes and pray everything works yeah. out. And why would we do that? Like we've got way better hands. Like we've got aces up here. We've got the nuts here. Well, not the nuts. Actually, we do. We have king 10 also. Um, we've got the nuts. We've got nine, 10. We've got way better hands. Um, I don't know why we'd bet this hand. This feels like a very clear check. And, you know, really, I, I think you're hoping for check, check a lot because then you just beat a jack, right? Yeah, I think you're hoping for check, check, I, because I think if Peter's bets, he does have like ace four in his range and hands like that mm-hmm. as played. Yeah, I agree. So And yeah. queen jack. Right. So check, check would be good. That's not going to be what happens. Obviously, it's a breakdown hand. I mean, come on. That'd be boring. We don't do boring on the breakdown. So Peters recognizes that his eight is probably not good enough to win at showdown on this board when Vogelsang takes the line he's taking. Yeah, you would that, think if Vogelsang had air and he decided to bet pot on the turn, like you said, it would be a two-street plan. Right. Peters is well aware of that. Right. So it's really unlikely that Vogelsang has like a seven or a weaker eight. Those he, are the only, he could have those. Those but, are the only, yeah, but those are the only things that Peters can hope for if he decides to check back. Correct. So he's going to go for it. And... The question is, what does it look like Vogelsang has? What, is, what are his most common hands? Um, I think a jack makes really looks like a jack to me. A jack, yeah. He could have some aces, too. He could have weak some, aces. Yeah, some weak aces. He might bet that for value on the river, though, because a lot of the time an ace is, is good here. And, to but get called by... To get called by, I guess, just a jack or a weird queen. Which we were already Seems unlikely. About yeah, it's tough yeah. to get called there. All right, that's true. That's I think true. pretty much... You could, yeah. So maybe a, a weak ace plays similarly, I guess, as a queen to a queen. Yeah. Um, and you know, and a weak ace plays really well as a, as a bluff catcher too, where you're like, cool, I block some of the hands I'm losing to. I'd be losing to. That's nice. Um, it's an easy call a lot of the time, depending on how he sizes it, of course. But it's a relatively easy call. Like queen nine, it's it's a tougher call depending on how he sizes it, right? Like like an ace is obviously an easier call. Period. Right. So Peters decides he wants to size it to get rid of those weak aces. Sure. If that's part of Vogelsang's if you're going to bluff, you might as well go for the getting rid of the jack and the weak aces. Yep. So he bets 165k into 111, and he had about 300. He had like 280ish. Yeah. So he's betting a huge amount. Yeah. So this is a massive polarizing bet. Yeah. So what? Where? How far down do you think the value goes for Peters? Do you think he does this with Ace King? No. Okay. So it has to be two pair plus. Does he do it with Queen Jack? Yeah, I mean, I was going to go even lower and ask if he does it with, like, Jack-7, hands like that. I, I mean, guess, you're, I pretty sh- no. you're pretty sure Jack-7 is ahead. Yeah. It's usually ahead. You'd be a little worried about what's going to call you when you bet this much. Yeah, you can get heroed, for sure. Yeah. But that's all there is, as opposed to, like, you know, when you've got even Queen-Jack, you can come up with, with some two-pair combinations that you're beating, at least. The more two-pair combinations, I should say. I guess Vogel's saying... Like, you figure Vogelsang doesn't really have two pair, though, and is checking almost ever, right? He's usually betting two pair on the river. You would really think so. And that's actually part of why Peters is betting right now, right? Because he's like, you would bet two pair, so I'm going to try and blow you off your one pair hands. So I think, I think Peters can have any two pair. Okay. Would he size it this way with any two pair? Probably. If he, if he thinks, he's, if he thinks it's the, he's, the, the range is the same and it's all he's one gonna, pair or he's worse. He's going to have to be balanced in this spot in, yeah. against Vogelsang. So, I mean, that, that gives Peters a relatively high amount of value, but not all of it gets here this way. Very, very little of it gets here this way. Like seven, eight doesn't usually get here this way. Clocks two pair, ace, seven, ace, eight don't usually get here this way. Ace, jack doesn't usually get here this way. Jack, seven could, but might sometimes raise the turn. Rarely, I think. I think usually jack, seven just calls the turn. Oh, with nine, with nine, ten coming in. Jack, seven and jack, eight make the most sense. Yep, I agree. Uh, I, I think those make more sense than nine, ten even because he didn't bet the flop. Correct. those, Those hands make more sense to not bet the flop with. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you have the nine combos of Jack seven, the nine combos of Jack eight. You got to give him some combos of nine, 10 here, right? You have to give him at least a few and some combos of King 10. Yep. So it's probably somewhere in the range of 30, 35 combos. That's a lot of value. That makes sense. Yeah. But if he has this hand in his bluffing range, the eight, nine, like, I guess the question is, would he just check and take his lumps with eight, five here because he doesn't block the nine, 10 or is he bluffing with eight, nine specifically because he blocks some of Vogelsang's bigger hands? I kind of don't think it's the nine is super relevant here because when Vogelsang checks the river, I think he assumes Vogelsang's going to bet nine ten on the river okay. almost always. So cool. I don't think it matters too much. And I think he would not check eight five. I think he'd be betting his sevens and his eights, all of them, if he's betting this eight is okay. my guess. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's probably correct. If that's the case, that makes this kind of a call already, but you have to surmise that, as Vogel's saying. I mean, there's. I believe if he's betting those things, he's also betting some of his hands that, although I think he bet a lot of these on the flop, although he checked this one, like pocket fives and things like that, you know, his like smaller pocket pairs. Yeah. But I would expect him to bet most of those on the flop. I mean, if he checks back fives on the flop, that might be a fold candidate on the turn. Yeah, that's true. It's like a, true. It's a really bad board for fives. Right. Yeah, like we were saying, 8-4 might be a full I mean, you've put 14K in. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's true. I mean, it's only three blinds to call the turn on the other side. I mean, we are deep, and you it's get to be... a lot more than f- three blinds. It's 6K, big blind. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that's not true. Yeah. Just ignore that, bro. I will. Good man. Thanks. So I don't know if, I don't know if he has, has fives here. I don't know if he shows up with fives here. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think he probably... It's very rare for him to go check call... Check, meaning check the flop, call the turn with smaller pocket pairs than sevens. Yeah. It's just really, really a very strange line that you wouldn't expect. Right. So I don't think we can include those in his bluffs. Okay. I mean, what else could he have? Could he have, I guess he could have king nine and decide to call the turn. No. Why? No. It's too much to call yeah. the turn with. Um, could he have a, a bad jack? Are you sure he wouldn't call king nine on the turn? He has showdown value. And a gut shot. I mean, I'm not sure. I just think a pot size bet makes it a lot harder to make that kind of a call with that kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather call with that hand than fives, though. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, I don't know if he's. I don't think he's calling with king nine, but I don't know. I'll admit. What do, I mean? Do you think it's likely he is? I'm just. I'm just stretching for other hands yeah. that he could be bluffing with. Yeah. It's hard to come up with that many bluffs. I mean, we need to come up with like he's got a pair and he's bluffing mostly, yeah. right? That's like part of the deal so it's like all of his eights all of his sevens pocket nines pocket tens i guess i guess pocket nines pocket tens he could i mean he really it's a strange line to take with those hands if those hands feel like i mean then i guess we're saying jack king jack Jack 10, Jack 9 is also um, thinks he could check back the flop with sometimes, even though we think he's going to bet some of his gutters there. Yeah, and he could check back those jacks because Vogelsang has a lot of weaker jacks in his range that he might have bet the turn with. That, I mean, Vogelsang bet the turn. Oh, I know. So I don't know what you mean. What, yes, I'm saying you can check back on the river with Jack ah, 10 and Jack right. 9 because you could be beating Vogelsang's jacks. Whereas with 10s and 9s, you're not beating Vogelsang's jacks. Right, exactly. Because, yeah, because you're like, okay, Vogelsang sometimes hit that queen, and I don't want to bet and get called when I have a jack. Um, 
sometimes, but I'm winning enough of the time here. I can just check. And sometimes Vogelsang has nothing. Sometimes Vogelsang has like a smaller pair or a worse jack, and it's all good. Yeah. Like, I feel like King Jack's a pretty clear check back. Yeah. Like, I don't need to turn that into a bluff. That's crazy. Jack 10 and Jack 9 are close. I might even... No, I wouldn't bet King Jack for value. That's that's too thin, I think. Yeah, it's way With too the thin. Queen. Because Vogelsang certainly, could have really hit the Queen. You certainly wouldn't bet 165. Never in a million years. I bet very small if I bet at all. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'd probably just check it and not, not put myself in any weird spots. Um, okay. So... We're not really coming with that many bluff hands. I mean, I think if... I don't know if you can do this as Vogel saying, but if you can give him a ton of sevens and eights, that's definitely enough bluff hands if the value is something like 30 combos, 35 combos. Okay, when we say a ton, though, so we're saying he's going to call with like 7-5 suited on the turn when he bets pot. Or unsuited. It's not that different than calling with pocket sixes, but we think he's folding. I know you have more outs, quote, outs, although you could be drawing dead. Sometimes. You really think he's folding a seven on the turn? I'm yes. asking the question. What's the difference between seven, uh, two sixes and calling with a seven besides you have a few extra cards, which sometimes make you a better hand? Okay, fine. Just give him all the eights then. Okay. That's enough. It's hard to imagine he's really going to fold an eight on the turn of any yeah. kind, right? Even, even, if, like you, even if he suited. folds all the sevens, which he's absolutely not doing, and calling with all the eights, which he probably is, Mm-hmm. that's enough. It's already enough bluffs if you think he's going to take this line as a bluff with an eight. Well, there's a lot. I mean, just 6-8 alone and 5-8 alone is like a lot of eights, right? Forget yeah. about king-8 right. and that's, stuff like yeah, that. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, king-8, eight, 10 eight. Of course, you have to decide that, Nine, eight. that he's going to turn all of these into a bluff. Yep. And now, if, s- it, if it goes back to he's only turning eights and sevens with blockers into a bluff, it gets a little closer. It's possible he sizes this big um, because he has the nine. Although, again, I don't really know if that's necessary. But maybe that's a way, one of the ways he helps himself like have his frequencies be correct, basically. He sizes really big with straights, um, maybe with a set, and then hands that have a nine in them when he's bluffing. Something, yeah. Or nine or a ten when he's bluffing. So that way he's close to balance, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then besides that, he bets, he bets a more normal, quote, value amount. You know, that's like, how much was in there? 100K? Uh, 111. Yeah, so maybe bets like, you know, 65 or 70 as a bluff sometimes, too, and just tries to make it look like, fold your freaking eight, bro. Fold your freaking jack, bro. I have you beat. All right, so to get out of super high roller land, yeah. if you're Vogelsang and the hand goes this way and you're against Joe Schmo, this feels like a fold. Oh, yeah. But against Peters, if you think, okay, this guy's turning all of his eights into a bluff, or at least enough of his eights into a bluff that approaches like 20 combos, then it's profitable for me to call. My stack is nowhere near at risk. It doesn't affect my, my tournament. That part is really good. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it just sucks when someone bets so much <laughs> and you don't have a good hand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it just, it's just like... Ugh. Um, but Vogelstein goes into the tank here because he understands that Peters is capable of this. He knows when Peters chooses the sizing, he's, he's polarized. Um, so that's good, right? Mm-hmm. Like Peter's, Peter's I, I, we said he doesn't have ace king. I think Peters really doesn't have ace king here right. ever. Um, so that's even though we think he's betting all two pair like this, ace king is one notch down. But right, but he, he also blocks he aces get here there with all two pair the same way. Right, of course. And ace king, like it's a really weird line to take with ace yep. king. Check back, call, bet more than pot. So, very very strange. I mean, possible, I guess. But so Vogelsang ultimately calls. Yeah, which I guess he did some form of ranging Peters to have a lot of these pairs that he turns into a bluff, and otherwise you can't call, right? Um, 
I think that is not true. much air out there. I mean, the other thing, of course, Vogelstein has to think about, I'm sure he does, is distribution, right? Because he's a GTO-type dude. So he's yeah. thinking, like, where does this land in my distribution? Well, I have a nine that's actually good. And when I, I, and when I check the river, that's a big important factor because he has a lot of two paras played up to the river, but he's mostly not checking two pair on the river. Right. right? And when he when he gets the river and checks, he has a lot of jacks. Yeah. Um, he has a he doesn't have that many queens. Right. But he's a lot of jacks. So actually, he's got a better than average hand, I would think. Even yeah. though he's some aces too. That of makes course. sense. Um, so maybe that so the distribution he's higher up in his distribution than he might normally be. Mm-hmm. Um, I would guess. Although he has all he has a bunch of aces too. Um, I guess the big aces though. Actually, it's not really true because the big aces are going to three bet some of the time. Yeah. And he's going to have aces up a fair amount of the time on this board. Yep. And so he has none of those. Right. Or almost none of those. And so he's got only some some weak aces mm-hmm. mostly, right? Um, I guess he has ace 10 and ace 9 too, but not too much. And then if he can decide that Peters is going to turn pairs into a bluff that are sevens and eights, it seems to yeah, make sense. It does. It does. It still is like, bleh. but yeah. against a guy who's capable of not having it, then it's totally reasonable. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. He makes the call, but guess what? He doesn't make any money. Because only two people make money in the tournament, and neither of them are these he ma- guys. He made expected value of money. He did make expected value for a moment in time. That's pretty good, isn't it? For a, one fleeting moment. Isn't that what we're all going for all the time? Where I'm just trying to increase my EV of money. No. What I'm going for at all times is, is actually having money. See, that's the difference between you and me. You care about result. I care about process. Right, and... That's why I live in a giant mansion yeah. and you live in my garage. But I can defend all of my decisions, <laughs> okay? And you did some dumbass shit. Yeah, this is all unfair. <laughs> Obviously.